Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast, post-signing day edition. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts. Gentlemen, did you enjoy signing day? And where does the Jaden Francois saga rank for you as it falls for Nebraska-related signing day hijinks? Uh, I did enjoy my signing day. I think no, most Nebraska fans enjoyed it. It was one of those where uh, things happen that don't usually happen, including Nebraska winning a table standoff like Jaden Francois. Um, where it rates, I don't know. That was quite a human drama to partake in. And at first it was sort of like uh, that thing where people are kind of snarky and it's kind of funny, that, you know. And then it, I... Then I kind of turned and I was just like, I, I hope this kid's getting, I hope there's like not 15 people in his ear right now. And you start to think of the real human drama that's playing out. And I was just hoping that he uh, he had some wisdom in his ear when he was going out in the hallway. So sounds like he talked to Scott Frost at some point in the hallway from what we heard yesterday. So that would be a fascinating hour to uncover everything that went down at some point. What In, in discussing... Those types of things around Nebraska, I'm trying to think in the the time that we've been covering recruiting for the for Husker 24/7, uh, Schaefer, starting with the, the 2012 class was the first one. Has there really been any kind of uh, significant drama in that way, aside from guys flipping or picking a different? So I, I remember Travell Dixon. Um, was probably the most notable one to me. Uh, he went to bed, committed elsewhere in his mind, and then woke up uh, after some prayer and went with Nebraska. Have, can you think of any others that were kind of that way since 2012? Well, the, there's been some some ones that haven't gone Nebraska's way, but they maybe haven't had the sort of like signing day table standoff thing. But Andres Pete, nobody knew what his decision was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, up until when he announced for Stanford in that 2012 year. He didn't tell either school where he was going to go. And uh, Nebraska, I think, felt good about what was going to happen. And they shouldn't have. Jameer uh, Calvin probably would, would would qualify over a long term. Um, uh, not, not on signing day, but on the, <laughs> the Jameer Calvin on the All-American Bowl. Uh, Jameer Calvin would certainly qualify for something. I don't know what, but that was a, a unique 24 hours in Nebraska football history. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was that was tough to watch at times. But what made it sort of even more fascinating is finding out after the fact that his LOI was already sent to Nebraska. Like the uh, the the button up shirt, the everything was a formality because he had already signed with Nebraska, but you have all of these people who were either unaware of that or were basically just like really trying to make it difficult for him um, during that time period. But ultimately Jaden Francois, the first guy that committed with Nebraska on signing day, uh, I think a really interesting prospect as a defensive back. I thought one of the more interesting aspects of his day and and this is, you know, just me being me, but Nebraska announced him as a cornerback, and I kind of suspected that he'd be a safety, but we know that Travis Fisher really likes to cross-train those guys. Six foot, probably 170-some pounds right now, will certainly add some weight as he goes forward, 
What do you guys know about Jaden Francois as a, as a player and, and any film that you've watched? What have you seen? What do you like? We'll start with you, Brian. I, I honestly don't know as much as you guys do about him, but <clears throat> that doesn't shock me with what, what they announced him as because with, with Travis Fisher, he, he will go the other route than you think he's going to go sometimes. I mean, we saw that kind of with Quentin Newsom, where I had him kind of pegged as a safety, um, and then he, he always saw him as a cornerback. Uh, a lot of people had him pegged as a safety. So, you know, Travis Fisher's a guy who he's going to look at. I think he looks at guys in the secondary a little bit different than a lot of people out on the recruiting trail. And it's probably one of his advantages. I think he he sometimes sees something as a former player um, who made it to the league playing in, in the secondary uh, that some other guys probably don't. And uh, I think because of his background and his experience, uh, you know, Scott Frost talked about him the other day, how, you know, he has recruiting ties in South Florida, but he also grew up in North Florida and he knows a lot of friends there. It's just like he's so well tied in to everywhere throughout that huge state of Florida. And uh, I think kids believe him when he talks. He just has a way to say, OK, this is how I see you fitting in. And uh, and they go with that. So um, I'm sure he'll... I'm sure when Francois gets here, which it sounds like he's getting here in a couple weeks, uh, yep. I'm sure they're, they're going to work him. Uh, I, I bet they'll work him all over the place, to be honest. I with As it kind of relates to Francois, I mean, what, he had 12 picks as a junior. I mean, I, I, I can see why when you have that kind of production, why you would think about maybe looking at him as a corner. He's big enough. He's kind of got the, the build that, that Travis Fisher looks for. And you know, it's just a it's a big win in an area where, when when guys start from that area, start looking heavily at Nebraska, going to Nebraska, you're going to start to see the the ball rolling down the hill a little bit with some of these guys in 2021, 2022. Um, you know, there was obviously a, a hard fought recruitment for him. Uh, you know, he committed and decommitted from Miami twice, but um, when you kind of look at this year's secondary group paired with last year's secondary group, the the changeover in that that uh, that that position group has been pretty remarkable. And I just got Scott Frost called Travis Fisher uh, kind of the all star uh, of this year's class, and I think he definitely uh, earned um, the the kudos with the way that they closed yesterday. All right, let's jump from one guy from South Florida to another, Marcus Fleming, talented wide receiver. We have him listed as 5'9", again, right in that 170-some pound range. A guy that I think represents something Nebraska certainly needs in this offense, and that is a deep threat. He is one of the fastest players in the country in this class, and now he is with Nebraska. He's not the big-bodied wide receiver that fans have clamored for. The Huskers did get one of those, and we'll certainly talk more Omar Manning as this podcast goes on, I'm sure. But Marcus Fleming is a guy that can certainly stretch the field. He's got the athleticism that he can play underneath too and, and make people miss. I think this is just a continuation of Nebraska stacking up some athletes that they can get the ball to and, and let them go to work, but also have the ability to stress defensive coordinators. Uh, Brunts, what do you make of Marcus Fleming? And how could he possibly be different than J.D. Spielman, or do you see similarities there? Well, he's he's a deep threat, and, you know, as good as J.D. Spielman is, um, 
you know, I, I don't know that I would necessarily, you know, qualify him as a guy who's just going to get off the line of scrimmage and, and beat a, a defensive back deep. Um, you know, and that's not, you know, taking anything away from JD Spielman. I just think Marcus Fleming uh, and his speed is on a different level than Spielman, who is very quick. But I mean, I think that's a little bit different than straight line speed. Uh, Fleming was on one of the better teams in the state of Florida last year. Uh, 51 catches, almost a thousand yards, um, and eight, eight touchdown receptions, played some special teams as well as a returner. I, I just think that he gives something that when you look back at what Nebraska had on the field last year, they did, they did not have a consistent deep threat that really made you concerned as a, as a defensive coordinator. Um, so that getting Marcus Fleming, a guy that was coveted by a number of programs, uh, in the Southeast, that, that's a huge win for Nebraska. And I think a guy that, um, you know, if, if he can play at the weight that he's listed at uh, in the Big Ten, I think he's got a chance to really help Nebraska right away. Yeah, there, there was nobody, I would say, who could take the roof off a of defense. Um, and so this this is good. This is a, this is a big pickup, I think. I, I loved what they did at receiver all the way around, from him to obviously the Omar Manning thing. Um who's, uh, you know, ready-made to come in. Uh, I think William Nixon is a guy, you know, as a coach's son, who is, I think just think has a good football IQ and is probably going to pick things up quick, who could who could be an early splash guy. And then Elante Brown, uh, you know, that that was a that, that's another interesting, versatile guy you can move in a lot of different spots, 5'11", 190. Um, I just, I just feel like they really changed their look at the skilled position spots yesterday in a big way when you consider not just wide receiver, but then at running back and how different that's going to look, uh, with, with, you know, with Savian Morrison and Marvin Scott joining Ronald Tompkins and Ramir Johnson, Diedrich Mills, suddenly, uh, the weapons are starting to look like they're in place more. But then again, we've said that before, and we got to see who can actually show up and 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 be there in in uh, August. Because right now they're just names on a paper. But I I do love how it it feels like suddenly the competition uh, at the at the spots where they need weapons is is on now. I I will say this for Alante Brown, he is probably the recruit that I know the least about that's currently in Nebraska's class. He came on a little bit later than most as, as Nebraska offered him in December. He visited in midweek. Uh, you know, he committed to Nebraska on the Big Ten Network on Wednesday and signed with the Huskers, and he's going to enroll in, in January. I I see a wide receiver that uh, he has a similar background to Spielman and to Wandale Robinson and to William Nixon, who's also in this class, running back turned into wide receiver. A guy that 24-7 sports and, and the evaluators have kind of raved about his athleticism. He's listed as a four-star and the number one prep player, prep school player in the country. This feels like one of those guys that we might be forgetting about when we look at the rest of the class because he's had such a, a shorter time in our collective consciousness as it is for Nebraska football. Uh, do either of you have strong thoughts on Alante Brown either way? Because I, I'll be honest, I, I see a guy that Nebraska has that they can throw into their wide receiver mix, but I don't really know what to expect. I think the, the fact... Go, go, go Brunt. 
<laughs> we both want to concede to each other. I concede to you, good sir. Okay, I concede well, the floor. I, I just I think the fact that he's coming in in January helps a lot. I mean, I I think you you're gonna need, um, you know, a, a spring to kind of see what you have with him. And and I agree with Schaefer. I mean, he, it was a quick recruitment. Uh, it was a midweek visit, and you know, I I think when you look at his numbers and the fact he was a he was a high school quarterback in Chicago before. Uh, he went to the, the prep school route, but, um, you know, he, he's got speed. I think he's an intriguing piece that you can maybe move around a little bit, uh, at, at various wide receiver spots. Uh, and you know, the, like I said, I mean, I think the thing that's more intriguing to me is you're going to get him on campus early. He's going to have a chance to go through, uh, you know, a winter of conditioning, learn the offense in the spring. And that just helps his chances of getting on the field, uh, quicker, uh, in the fall. When you looked at who offered him to, it it wasn't a who's who's list by any means, but Indiana was one of the schools. And obviously yesterday there was, or the, this week there was drama there with, with Kalen DeBoer, their offensive coordinator, leaving for Fresno State. And I wondered if that had an impact on this too. Uh, but Indiana and what they were doing on offense and the fact that DeBoer uh, was another coach and that staff liked what he was all about. That tells me a little something that both Nebraska's staff and Indiana, Indiana's offensive staff, which last year was really good, I think were after the same guy. So sometimes I kind of look at things like that and say there must be something there, even if I don't know as much about the kid yet. Uh, these guys who have studied it do, and uh, they obviously see how he fits. So that 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 said a little something to me. All right. Then we move on to Nebraska's last edition yesterday. They missed out on Miles Slusher. Um, I think that that was a recruitment that has been uh, different than than most others. Nebraska was there on Wednesday of last week. They they took their shot with Scott Frost and you know with, with Savion Morrison uh, being in Nebraska's class. There's a little bit of a chance that because those two guys were close, he might want to come to Nebraska. Ultimately, he chose to play for an Arkansas program with Sam Pittman that has a new coach uh, and Barry Odom as a defensive coordinator. They got the last shot on the official visit and, and Miles Slusher ended up going there. I think Nebraska felt good that they were going to get him, but that was a little bit of signing day drama that went against the Huskers. Next with Feldarius Payne, he, his uh, announcement came last night, a guy that I am kind of intrigued by in the sense that it feels like Nebraska's, use or, or interest in Feldarius Payne is more as a situational player than just as a straight throw him into the rotation guy. And I think that kind of tells me, or I, I think it tells me that they feel good about the defensive lineman that they have coming up, but they wanted somebody that could provide maybe a little bit more of a pass rush than what they're seeing from some of their younger defensive linemen, like the Casey Rogers uh, or a Mosai Newsom, or maybe even um, Ty, uh, Robinson. So I, I like what Feldarius Payne brings. Uh, he reminds me a little bit in size of the Davis twins, though he's not as heavy yet. And I'll be kind of curious what he looks like on the field. Uh, any strong thoughts for either of you guys from or about Feldarius Payne besides just, his name? I'm just I glad that Nebraska has somebody named Feldarius in the class. Now that we have that out of the way, any other yeah. thoughts? I appreciate you kneecapping my, uh, my big thought, but um... – <laughs> I appreciate your big thought being a guy's first name. <laughs> you can only get that kind of analysis here, folks. Uh, I, I don't. 
it's interesting that the way that Nebraska handled junior college recruiting along the defensive line. I mean, it seemed like they were in a, a fine spot for Julius Coates. He ended up going to Arkansas today. Um, but I, I agree with you. Kind of how Feldarius Payne comes to campus in the uh, in the summer will be, I think, determine kind of how he's used. Um, of the defensive linemen that, that Nebraska signed, Jordan Riley is, is a little bit more intriguing to me just because of his size. Uh, and the fact that he had been at North Carolina previously. So I, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on Feldarius Payne, but it, it seemed like a guy that was kind of a nice uh, a nice bonus, I guess. Um, kind of I kind of view Nico Cooper that way as well, but I, I think he's a guy that is a little bit more of a kind of a Swiss Army knife piece for Nebraska, and we can talk about him in a bit, but that's, that's my thoughts on Feldarius um, for now. Yeah, there's not going to be a lot of hype about him, but sometimes you you just do have to stack some big bodies in a class too. I mean, you're obviously you're looking for guys who have made some plays, and these guys did at the JUCO level. Uh, but you know they've got good size, and they've already got some good young working parts in that room um, on the defensive line. And so now you add some guys who are grown men who have, you've been around. They've experienced some things. They've had to fight their way to get to this point. They're probably pretty hungry guys if they're, you know, if they're still chasing the football dream at this point with what they've been through. So guys like that, uh, you, you never quite know how to read them until you actually see them show up. Sometimes they surprise you. Uh, sometimes we've seen a couple guys like this come in and they've been complete duds and that we haven't hardly heard from them. Uh, but at, at the very least, uh, they, they have really stacked up their depth in the trenches uh, again with this class, I would say. All right, let's let's look at the rest of the class. Nebraska obviously had a big finish starting with Friday into Wednesday, and and they had what eight guys in that time period commit uh, from Friday to to Wednesday, including you know multiple four stars, multiple key pieces, uh, just a, a great run of talent for Nebraska to finish off their class. But there's also some people that have been committed for a long time. We don't necessarily always talk about them because you're always talking about what's next. So here, I think what we'll do is we'll just go kind of roundtable style. We'll each grab a player, uh, you know, we'll do this three times and, and just kind of talk about what we like and we'll try to avoid doubling up if at all possible. Um, I, will, uh, I will start, and Brunt's mentioned him, and this is a guy that uh, when I was over at Nebraska uh, yesterday over at Memorial Stadium, had a chance to bump into the coaches a little bit. This is a guy that they like a lot, and you don't look at his stats from junior college and get blown away, but you do look at that six foot five, 220-pound frame, and Nebraska thinks that Nico Cooper has a chance to be a real difference maker. And I don't mm-hmm. know if that's going to be right away on day one, but they are very excited about his raw athleticism. They're very excited about uh, his hand size was discussed a lot. Um, the palming of the helmet is something that I guess is pretty rare when it comes to taking the photos. But they, they really like this athleticism of a kid that comes out of Memphis, Tennessee, and he's still learning the game of football a little bit. They think they've maybe caught somebody that uh, slipped through the cracks, so to speak, and, and a guy that they're going to get three years to really kind of grow and develop as a junior college player. And he comes in, you know, physically pretty well built. So they're very excited about the weight that they think they can put on him relative to his explosiveness. I suspect that this was a very much a, a Dave Ellis guy. Uh, and Zach Duvall is going to have the task of getting him to the right weight. 
And Javon DeWitt and Eric Shenander will have the task of, of building him up as an outside linebacker. But Nico Cooper is someone that, you know, may not find himself on a lot of lists of the best commitments that Nebraska picked up, but he might find himself at the end of the, you know, this run of this group of players as someone who really had an impact in Nebraska. Jared Goff's not out there palming that helmet, I can tell you that much. I knew you were going to say that. You're always you're always ripping uh, Jared Goff's baby doll hands. He's got those tiny little doll hands. Uh, I think I think BC just accused Brunts of having stale material. <laughs> Whatever. That's probably it's, guilty it's still, as charged. It still works. Yeah. Um, either that or I'm that predictable, man. Jeez. Um, my, can I go? Yeah, yes. absolutely. Okay. I I I want to talk briefly here about. Uh, my, my man, uh, Marvin Scott. And the reason I want to talk about Marvin Scott was there was something that Scott Frost said during his post, uh, post-signing post day press conference yesterday that kind of I, I perked up a little bit. Um, and he talked about the, that Scott is probably the most physically ready-to-contribute guy in this class uh, in terms of the way he's built, uh, the, the productivity that he had in high school down in Florida. And you know, we, with this class, I think we can talk about Nebraska building depth um, at the skill positions. I think that was something they had to do. And, you know, Sevian Morrison, Marvin Scott, both of those guys are going to have to be ready, I think, to come in, contribute right away because you, you don't have a ton uh, besides uh, Didrick Mills and also uh, Ramir Johnson. And, and, you know, it's still a pretty small sample size with Ramir Johnson. So, I, I think the the way he's built at five nine two hundred pounds, um, you know the 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 fact that uh, Nebraska has already basically told him, look, like you, you need to be ready to go. Um, I think he was a guy that was maybe overlooked a little bit because he didn't have the eye popping numbers. Uh, Sevian Morrison, uh, he he committed pretty early. Uh, there really wasn't drama there, uh, but I, I think he's a guy that you know people need to kind of keep in the back of their minds when we get to the summer. Uh, to, to potentially have uh, an impact right away in, in 2020. All right. I, I'm going to say Blaze Gunnarsson. Um, I, I am fascinated by this guy um, and just how they're going to use him with his 6'6", 250 size. I know Schaefer's talked about it before. Uh, with, with him, there was the injury his junior season, correct? It was a hip injury. And uh, basically probably kept him from getting some of the mileage he could have gotten out of recruiting with some, you know, maybe building up his profile. And I feel like Nebraska might've got a theft in this one. Um, And to listen to Scott Frost speak about him on Wednesday, uh, you sort of doubled down on that idea when uh, it was kind of a funny moment. Scott said, you know, if I had a son, then he remembered he did have a son at this point, which is easy to forget. As Brunch could tell you, I'm sure when you're a new parent and your mind is in a million different places. But eventually, Scott said he wants his son to grow up and, you know, hopefully have the size and be the kind of kid that Blaze Gunnarsson is. And uh, I mean, that's saying a lot. So they, they, they beat out Iowa State for him. And this isn't beating out Iowa State for a guy in. Uh, you know, 1998, Iowa State's a good program now and actually a better spot than Nebraska is in the win column. And uh, he had a lot of Iowa State ties. So I, I, I was impressed they got him, held on to him without any drama. And I think he's going to be, uh, be uh, a guy who can be a pretty early impact guy. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's move down the list. I'm going to take 
what I think is a, a fairly easy one, and I think Nebraska fans are certainly excited about him. Keyshawn Green is a linebacker that Nebraska simply doesn't have a lot of recent history wins with a guy like this. At six foot three, 195 pounds is what he's listed on our service. I think he's probably up to 205 or so now. You've got a guy that can absolutely run a 4'4", 940. He can, he can move. He's got great instincts. You talk to evaluators, and there's talk that he might be the number one, the number one linebacker in the state of Florida. I mean, the, the most talent-rich area in the country, and you're talking about potentially the number one linebacker. Linebacker being a massive need for Nebraska, whether it be outside or inside. I think that Keyshawn Green will start off as an inside linebacker. I think this recruitment – uh, is is a large, you know, thank you should go out to Sean Becton and Travis Fisher uh, for what they do in Florida, and along with, you know, with uh, Ryan Held and Barrett Rude and Scott Frost and everybody else for, for coming in. I mean, this is as big of a surprise commitment as I can recall. I, I think I said that on the last podcast. And I, I think Nebraska is going to have a guy here that they can develop pretty quickly in Keyshawn Green. And I am very excited to see what Eric Shenander can do with him. I'm going to go even uh, even more obvious uh, with my next one, and, and Turner Corcoran. Um, Scott Frost said that for a number of reasons, he was the kind of cornerstone of this recruiting class. He was one of the first commits. They beat out uh, pretty much everybody in, in college football for him. Um, and not only what he meant as you know a player, and he, I believe he's the fifth highest ranked uh, recruit to – Signed with Nebraska since 2000, um, ahead of Indomitian Sioux, uh, in case you're wondering. Um, he's also, you know, a, was really key for peer recruiting. He was really active with, uh, you know, kind of getting the class going, keeping it together, I think, in the fall when Nebraska kind of struggled on the field. And they weren't going to take a lot of linemen in this class. Um, but I, I think, you know, when, when you look at not only ranking – who was after him, uh, the way that he plays as well, and, and also the, the versatility. I mean, he could be a tackle. He could be a guard uh, if they need him to be. Uh, that, that's a huge um, signing for Nebraska, and uh, I believe we had him at number 38 overall. Is that is that uh, is my math correct there? But uh, yep. yeah, that's, that's a big one. So uh, an obvious one, but a big one for Nebraska. Yeah, he's one of those guys who, I mean, if he was a signing day announcement, people would just lose their crap about it. So, I mean, that sometimes I think when guys commit early and there's no drama, it's it's it sort of peters out, and people is like, oh yeah, that's a nice one, and they almost forget how big a deal it is. But um, uh, let's see, I, I'm gonna go with kind of a sleeper guy because uh, I interviewed him last week, um, Tamon Lynham, and I know he's one of those guys, like. Of the names here, probably would come to mind near the very end for a lot of people. Right now, he's listed at 6'2", or 170. He said he was like 175. He expects to be about 190 pounds uh, by the fall, and he is coming early. And uh, he's got a chip on his shoulder. And I'm sort of trusting Travis Fisher's um, way of picking out guys here in that he saw something in this kid that not everybody else saw. He did not have a real impressive offer list, uh, but Nebraska offered him fairly early in the game, 
And uh, it meant a lot to him. And I think he's going to come and I think he's going to ball out. And I think he's got a lengthy frame, sort of like Braxton Clark, uh, where he could be one of those guys where no one's thinking about him. And then suddenly one of the practices, Travis Fisher says, oh, yeah, he's working with the twos or whatever. We're asking him about working with the twos. I could see him being a guy like that. Uh, who I think could be a 200, 205 pound type guy here in a year or two, and uh, and and you could uh, could really be a, a pretty good specimen on the in the secondary. I am between two different guys that I want to mention here, and this is kind of our last round of running with it. But uh, both of them huge, I think, evaluation guys, guys where Nebraska saw a player in a in a talent rich area that was maybe falling through the cracks a little bit. I'll go with Ronald Delancey the third. One of my favorite players in this class, just from talking with evaluators and people much smarter than me about football, you've got a guy in, in Delancey that arguably might have been the best or most improved defensive back in the Miami area. He played well enough that the Hurricanes came in hard, and he basically told them, no, you're too late. Where were you a year ago when Louisville and everybody else was interested, and you said no, and you wanted all these other kids, so I'm going to go to Nebraska. And this is a guy that uh, Travis Fisher, like Jaden Francois, I, I mean, I'm looking at two guys in Jaden Francois and Ronald Delancey that if they develop in the way that they could under Travis Fisher, you could have two very similar cornerbacks where they're not going to be the fast guy, but their instincts are really good and they play with power and they got that dog mentality that Travis Fisher talks about a lot where they're going to come up and they're going to hit people and they're not afraid to play on the edge. I mean, if you follow Ronald Delancey on Twitter, you will see him posting highlights of hitting people constantly and, and just like coming up and playing in run support. I, I think that's great to see from a high school defensive back. And he can also play the ball too when it's in the air. And so this is a guy that I think Nebraska is going to look very smart at the, the end of their, you know, their run here with, with Ronald Delancey. I, I honestly, I might go as far to say that he's the best defensive back in this class and that includes Henry Gray, who's right now Nebraska's third overall uh, defender. That includes Jaden Francois, who I just talked about earlier that I like quite a bit. And I just I really like Ronald Delancey. I like his makeup, and I, I think he's going to be a very good player. You should just try this for a week. Just post, like, tweet videos of guys hitting people and just see what people say. Like, just, just start doing that. You so, like, that I, should be, I should be Rex Chapman, except people are just getting hit. Yeah, yeah. I bet it gets very popular. <laughs> that that feels like a good like Christmas week uh, experiment. You should try. I'm not opposed. I like Del- Delancey posted one where he it was a huge hit on a kid and he said bad news. He lived. <laughs> 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 and I just started laughing. I didn't know if I was supposed to laugh at it, but I, I, he got me. I was like, "That's good, kid." Nice job. <laughs> All right, my That's my funny. last uh, my last choice here. I'll go uh, the, with the guy who I, I think his film is is probably the sneaky best in the class. I'll go with Va Maga Clements, uh, the junior college linebacker out of uh, Diablo Valley, uh, California. Um, a guy that's going to roll early, junior college linebacker. He's got what's a pretty remarkable story. Basically began his career as a safety, uh, gained about 50 pounds and grew three inches. And all of a sudden, he's a, a physical uh, inside linebacker. Um, I, when you kind of look at the depth that Nebraska has at inside linebacker, it's Colin Miller, um, 
uh, yeah, Will Honus there. And then behind them, it's pretty unproven. So there's an opportunity for him to come in and put on about another 10 pounds. And if he can keep his speed, uh, he seems to have the instincts uh, that will allow him to play in the box in the Big Ten, but also uh, cover in space, which, as we've seen the last couple of years, has been a bit of a challenge for Nebraska, not only at the inside linebacker spot, but also at the outside backer spot as well. So I, I think he was a, an intriguing pickup, didn't have a huge offer list, but um, I, I really think that Nebraska uh, did a nice job of doing their homework with this one, and uh, I, I think he's got a chance to contribute right away. How did you guys feel about how they came out at linebacker when you add it all up? Obviously, Caden Johnson ends up at Wisconsin, but what did you think of of what they the crop they got? I think they they found a lot of guys that are athletically going to be improvements from where they were at. I mean, I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but take take last year's linebacking class and Nick Henrich and Jackson Hanna are one thing, but I think that Nico Cooper and Jamari Butler are better athletes as outside linebackers than Garrett Nelson and Jameen Graham. And the the thing is, Nebraska needs both of those types of players to be successful. I think uh, Etava Malga Clements might be the best athlete they have at linebacker, and that includes now Keyshawn Green, who is six foot three and and can run a four four forty, at least on paper, anyways. Well, he actually ran it, but. I don't know if he can do that on a football field. I've never understood how that translates. The point being, the athleticism at linebacker, I think, is greatly enhanced. And you add that in with guys that I still really like, and Nick Henrich and Jackson Hanna and Garrett Stodgrass. I I think that they really kind of stack some talent on talent. And we might be at the point in 2021 where if they get a couple more guys, then you're talking about linebacker in the way we talk about what Greg Austin and Nebraska has done with the offensive line. I still look at the Keyshawn Green commitment on Sunday as sort of the perceptions turning point, and perception only means so much, but it does matter um, for the current time. Um, and I felt like it it kind of eased some angst about the linebacker spot, but also just the whole recruiting class. Like, oh, that guy popped up, and and then people are like, man, that guy can run and all that stuff. I felt like it it changed the whole tenor of of things for the rest of the week. Uh, So I thought that was huge. I guess the last guy, as we're finishing this off, I would say for mine is Logan Smothers. I think we might as well bring up the QB. And I, the thing that really impresses me about Logan Smothers, and this is very simple, is that he's coming to a place where the room is already pretty loaded. I mean, you know uh, that this coaching staff likes Adrian Martinez, and obviously Luke McCaffrey has become a fan favorite and the staff really likes what he's all about. And he was such a quick study. And then there's Noah Vedral and Logan Smothers never backed down from the idea that I'm coming there. And, and Frost snuck this in yesterday, uh, how they, they had to hold some people off for him at the end. There were some people that tried to get back in late in the game on Logan Smothers and see if they could take him away. And I'm sure they were in his ear telling him like, look, there's a bunch of dudes in front of you there. You, you know, you have a chance to maybe get on the field quicker uh, at other places. And and he stuck with his guns. He's a very tough kid. Everybody has heard those stories, I think, about some of the injuries he sustained and how he just keeps going with it. And he had a great senior year um, in every category imaginable. So I, I think he's he's a guy that, you know, it's not going to happen right away for him with what's in front of him. But uh, that's going to be fascinating how that room plays out with all the guys who are in it now 
You mentioned Scott Frost. He had his press conference yesterday. In addition to the recruiting stuff, which I think we've largely hit on, if there's any other nuggets, feel free to throw them out. What What were your kind of takeaways when he got into some team stuff? We'll start with you, Brent. Uh, well, the, there was the, the the little offhanded mention about how he's looking forward to coaching uh, J.D. Spielman uh, this coming year, which uh, I, I noted. Um, you also had the news that, uh, or at least the confirmation, that Adrian Martinez uh, underwent off-season surgery, um, minor surgery, uh, and he, he's expected to be back for the spring with no issues there. So Let's start you know, with that. Let's, okay. What do you what do you make of that? And and should there be you know he says that Martinez will be back for the spring. What do you think back means in that situation? You know I don't know. And and you know within the context of a potential quarterback competition um, or, or whatever that means, um, you know I, I think I, I think it would it's it's better for the guys who are trying to jockey for position on the depth chart if Adrian Martinez is there. Than if he's not, because I feel like if, if if he's not able to go full go, it's kind of like okay, well we're you're as a coaching staff defaulting to kind of what your ideal of Adrian is, or maybe how he played as a freshman, um, and I, I just don't know that there would be as much uh, you know ability for guys to to potentially overtake him or, or whatever. I, I don't I don't think that will happen, but um, th- that was one thought I had. But uh, Scott Frost also said that w- with in terms of Martinez, he feels like his play will be better now that he's had the surgery, um, which opens up a whole other line of questions about, okay, well, you know, how injured was he actually towards the end of last season? Uh, would Noah Vedral have been a better option uh, late in the year over an uh, uh, Adrian Martinez that was, uh, you know, admittedly gritting things out? Um, so, you know, we, we just got the surgery confirmed. You know, if he's if he even if he's able to go, you know, half speed through uh, the spring, I think that's fine. But you know, as much as you had kind of have this discussion about, you know, every position being open for competition, I, I just think that it's going to take something remarkable to happen for Aging Martinez to not be under center when Nebraska <laughs> goes out there against Purdue next fall. Yeah, it, this would barely register if if Luke weren't coming on strong um, the way he did and showed what he showed last season and, and kind of has, I don't know what the coaches, how they view it necessarily, but in the public's eye, I think there's this sort of thing like, Hey, this thing should be wide open after what we saw from Adrian last year. And uh, that that's what makes it interesting to me is, um, you know, will if Martinez isn't all the way back, I'm sure he's still going to be, eager to participate in some form and uh, we'll, we'll go with what Frost said yesterday he expects him back and and hopefully for him that's at a hundred percent we obviously know he's not going to take a lot of contact they're not going to take big hits or anything in the spring though the green jerseys on so in that way you can sort of work through what you're doing and your progressions and all that stuff in the passing game uh, without uh, a lot of toll on your body so you know that's that's part of it. So I, I don't I don't think this is going to be a big deal in the competition at all. Uh, but uh, it it does I think for the fans who wondered all along, you know, how bad was he hurt? Uh, they at least got some idea that it it wasn't great for Adrian last fall uh, physically, and and probably worse than some of us even knew. 
One thing I, I picked up that Frost mentioned yesterday, that there's a, a meeting with Maurice Washington. Do either of you anticipate that he will be on Nebraska's roster at any point in 2020? I, I don't. Uh, I would guess no. Uh, but yesterday left me uh, uncertain a little bit, the way it was framed and the fact that they're, they're talking. But um, I, w- I would guess no. Uh, I, I want the best for Maurice to, to figure it out because he's a great talent. I do. He's got a lot to figure out, though, and he's got a lot of things to meet that people don't even know about where, he, you know, challenges that he's got to overcome to be a good teammate. And can he be that without being a disruption or hurting what you're trying to do as far as build your locker room? I don't know. And so I think it would be – I honestly, if I'm being candid, I think it's a real gamble if you let him back on the team. I, I I agree, and I, I I'm in the same camp Brian was, where I would have said before yesterday I would have been really surprised um, to to see even the just the idea that he would potentially be back in any form or fashion. And I mean, we're still talking, you know, ten months until the start of the season next year uh, as well. And and I, I I think you do have to be careful with that discussion and the message that you're sending to your locker room as you're talking about. Uh, issues of culture and, and building up, uh, you know, the things within the program the right way, because, you know, Maurice has obviously had his issues off the field. Those are well documented. I think that Nebraska's worked very hard behind the scenes to make sure uh, that, that he, you know, is continuing on the path that he needs to be on to, to stay at Nebraska. Uh, that was before he got suspended. So, it's it's going to be a delicate dance, and I, I think you have to be really aware, like Brian said, of, of kind of the message that you're sending to the rest of your team with the decision you make uh, in terms of Maurice. There's no doubting the talent that he has on the field. You saw that uh, the last two years, but um, you, you know that there's I think bigger issues around you know what that would mean for the team beyond just what it, it would mean on the field. All right. Um... I'm not sure if there's anything we didn't cover, but if there is, we'll get it next time. We'll have plenty of uh, opportunity to do that. I do want to finish with this. How would you sum up Nebraska's recruiting class? And they do have a couple spots open, and on the next podcast, we'll certainly talk about what they could do with that. But how would you currently sum up Nebraska's recruiting class in just one word? Brunt, BC, either of you want to go first, or would you like me to, to go first and you can think about it a little longer? I will cede my time for now, if one of you guys wants to go. Go, Schaefer, go. I would say that one word would be athleticism. Nebraska improved its athleticism on its roster with this class. Okay. I'll, I'll, say, uh, I'll say depth. I, I think Nebraska, when you comp- when you kind of couple this recruiting class with the 19 class, I think you finally are starting to see the right numbers of guys and the the amount of talent at certain spots where you needed it. So I, I think you, you, you've really, with this class, built on the work that you did in 19. And, you know, I, I think I, I think they're uh, starting to kind of look like they should uh, roster number-wise. All right. I'm going to steal a word Savion Morrison used. Ballers. I think they added ballers at the skilled spots that are going to help them quite a bit. Uh, but I, I also want to get to August and actually see it. 
because <laughs> we i mean there there we see the it always seems good when you see the names and it, it sounds like oh yeah he's gonna get plugged in here and do this and that but but my initial take is that they really did upgrade as far as their ballers um the just the guys that can you know make a play when you got to go make a play all right well hey that concludes our signing post signing day edition podcast here on husker 24 7 we're now officially in the off season which means the next time we have a podcast, maybe we'll bring back some BC spoken word poetry, uh, you know, of, of rap music. We haven't had yeah. one of those in a while. We got and, time uh, to kill. The wheel's over here looking pretty rested up, I have to say. <laughs> oh, the wheel is back. Did we ever get that dent out from the time that you tried to put it in your car and it didn't fit and you just kept kind of hammering on it until it got into the trunk? I, I've, uh, I've been working with uh, the welder. Uh, to get it fixed, so I, I'm I, I'm positive about the direction it's going. All right. Well, uh, that's that's something that people can look forward to. I'm not sure of our podcast schedule during next week with the holiday, but uh, from at least me, and I can't speak for either BC or for Brunts. Have a happy holiday. Sure. Sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs>